Tuesday, the 12th of December, it's the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Let's pray together in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, you chose the Blessed Virgin Mary as the bearer of blessings to all the nations. Send preachers of the gospel to all parts of the world. You sent the Blessed Virgin Mary as a sign of hope for those who live under tyranny and exploitation. Send men and women of the gospel to bear your liberating word to all who suffer. You appointed the Blessed Virgin Mary as the mother of all peoples. Send messengers of your life-giving love to all who live in the shadow of death. Father of love and mercy, you sent your Son to take on human flesh through the consenting love of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Grant that Our Lady of Guadalupe may watch over the needs of all peoples under her patronage, especially the peoples of the Americas. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe pray for us. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. We are glad you're along here on a Tuesday morning. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. We're doing a video stream in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com is where you can find that. Up this hour, Father Boniface Hicks is going to have more thoughts on personal prayer and on experiencing new things in prayer. Marlon De La Torre will have more to say about Our Lady of Guadalupe and her feast today. We'll look at a uh, prayer from a hymn, actually, from Advent with Dr. Benjamin Lewis from the International Commission on English in the Liturgy. And then Father Frank Donio will discuss uh, St. Vincent Pilati on prayer, especially as it relates to Advent. So please do stay with us if you are able. Right now, it is two minutes past. Here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. President Biden welcomes Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky to the White House today. Zelensky's visit comes at a critical moment in negotiations for aid to Ukraine. The Biden administration wants Congress to pass its more than $100 billion package for Ukraine, Israel and other national security priorities. But Republicans say they'll only support that package if it comes with significant U.S. border policy changes. Zelensky will also be meeting with lawmakers on Capitol Hill while he's in the United States. Meanwhile, a new poll shows nearly half of voters believe the U.S. is spending too much on aid for Ukraine in its war against Russia. Mark Mayfield has more. The Financial Times' Michigan Ross poll found that 48 percent of voters said the U.S. is sending too much financial and military support to Kiev. Meanwhile, 27 percent said the U.S. was spending the right amount and 11% said the spending was not enough. This comes as lawmakers are divided over an aid package requested by President Biden that includes funding for both Ukraine and Israel. Republicans are demanding U.S. border policy reforms in exchange for more Ukraine aid. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Texas mother at the center of a lawsuit over the state's heartbeat law has left the state to get an abortion somewhere else. That according to the Center for Reproductive Rights. Kate Cox had brought a suit saying her unborn baby was diagnosed with a fatal condition, but her doctors refused an abortion, claiming fears of prosecution. Last week, a lower court had ruled in Cox's favor, but that was immediately paused by the state Supreme Court. 
Christians in Jordan are planning low-key Christmas celebrations as a gesture of solidarity with Palestinians. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. Christmas will be different this year in the Kingdom of Jordan. No lights will shine as Christians celebrate the coming of the Lord. The usually cheerful festivities will be muted at the request of Christian leaders in the country in a gesture of solidarity with the suffering Palestinian people just across the border. Pope Francis has repeatedly called for a ceasefire in Gaza, where more than 18,000 people have died since Israel began military operations on the 8th of October. The decision to cancel festivities, including bazaars, musical celebrations and the distribution of gifts, came from the Jordanian Council of Churches, which asked that its communities restrict their Christmas celebrations to prayer and religious ceremonies, as well as on donating to funds in support of children in Gaza. Over 10,000 children have died so far in the Strip. Moreover, almost 2 million people have been displaced, with nowhere to go, and with neither food nor water. Observers are describing the situation as desperate, a humanitarian catastrophe. Bethlehem, too, will be dim over the Christmas period. There will be no Christmas tree at the traditional site of Jesus' birth. We will celebrate in sobriety, said Father Francesco Paton of the custody of the Holy Land. No celebrations this year, as the world weeps for the victims of violence. I'm Francesca Merlo. Google has lost an antitrust lawsuit from video game company Epic Games after a jury found the Google Play phone app is an illegal monopoly. Epic Games, maker of the popular Fortnite game, has been fighting Google and Apple for years over how the App Store's payment sharing systems work. The company changed its software so customers could pay Epic directly to get around paying Google as much as 30 percent, and the game was kicked off the Google platform. On Monday, a jury found Google was operating an illegal monopoly through its app. Google says it will appeal. And new Los Angeles Dodgers star Shohei Otani is deferring most of his record-breaking contract. Over the weekend, Otani agreed to a 10-year, $700 million deal to play for the Dodgers, the largest contract in U.S. sports history. The baseball star will reportedly defer $68 million of his annual $70 million salary in an effort to lower the Dodgers' payroll and tax issues. The deferred money would then be paid to Otani between 2034 and 2043. Who is it that still gets paid by the Mets? That'd be is Bobby it? Bonilla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like this. Don't say. Don't bring this up the next time Father Phil's on, on, on hold. <laughs> this is a very sore subject for, I uh, believe it. for Mets, Mets country. Uh, you know what? I... I've always kind of wondered about these massive contracts. Like if you're a good player, you want to get paid, but you also want to win. And if you get paid too much, you can't pay anybody else to come help. Right. You and then you're like so, the only good player. I mean, I know that there's probably sports people who could break this down and explain this uh, to me in a way that would make sense. But I feel like if I had made like more money that I could possibly spend in a lifetime, I'd go sign with a team that I really wanted to play on and win with for like a dollar yeah. and get them to get like as many amazing people around me as possible. I think I that's know. yeah. I mean, I but think that's, that's a good uh, idea. I'm not. Uh, I don't know how Paul to talk. Lockman once you get past those extra Paul Lockman just got in my ear. Paul Lockman just got in my ear and said that wouldn't work because of players' unions. Oh. All right. Well, I don't work for that much more than that on Catholic radio. 
more than seven hundred million dollars. You don't work though. No, I mean I, I feel like it's all deferred. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's all it's you're all deferred. storing you're, up treasures in heaven. Storing up treasures in heaven. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father Boniface Hicks, and he is the author of uh, Personal Prayer. It is a guide to receiving the Father's love. We've been talking about various experiences in prayer. Father Boniface, good morning. Morning, Matt. Great to be with you. Yeah, great to be with you as well. And you've got a section towards the end of your book on newness in prayer and experiencing new things in prayer. And I know you're not just talking about uh, just trying random new stuff to see what happens. What are you kind of referring to uh, in this idea of newness and renewal in prayer? Well, on, on uh, two different fronts. One is that uh, God is infinitely creative, and so we don't have to pursue uh, new things. We can trust that God is always, uh, he's ever ancient, ever new. He's always doing uh, new things. It's one of my, my favorite lines from uh, Pope Francis's very first homily right after he was elected. He said, the Holy Spirit creates a lot of the problems. He's always doing new things. <laughs> but he said, the Holy Spirit's also the one that harmonizes and, uh, and brings everything into, uh, back into harmony with the newness. But the, uh, on the one hand, God is always doing new things. God is uh, infinitely creative and and always young, always bringing forth what is new. Uh, so just being open to that, to receiving that. And then for us, that happens not by uh, trying new things, like you said, Matt, not just uh, hopping from one thing to the next, but actually by going deeper. As we go deeper into interiority, vulnerability, transparency, as we open our hearts more, we discover that there are newer and newer depths. And so it's not by me hopping from being a Benedictine to a Dominican to a Franciscan to a Jesuit, but actually going deeper into the Benedictine charism, deeper into my heart, living this this life uh, more fully, maintaining my stability, but then allowing the, the, the newness right where I am to, to keep emerging from that. Well, not to bring the Jesuits into it after all of that, but uh, I can't help but think of uh, one of the pieces of advice that St. Ignatius gives uh, for people who are experiencing times of spiritual darkness, and that is, don't just blow up your whole routine and just find something new. <laughs> you know, the, one of the things that he says is that stick with the exercises, stick with, uh, you know, some of the patterns and disciplines. And, you know, I, I am amazed how, you know, sometimes people will ask, you know, people coming from outside the church, uh, you know, who are preparing to receive First Holy Communion as adults, they'll say, what, what am I going to feel? I'm like, well, I don't know. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, most of the time I don't quote unquote feel anything, but every once in a while, like every eight or nine weeks or so, I have, feel this immense sense of consolation. And I haven't done anything all that different. It's just that Christ has done something different in me, and there is a newness. Uh, I can't predict it. I can't anticipate it. But there is something that is well, as St. Augustine said, ever ancient and ever new in just the gifts God has given us in the sacraments. Yeah, that's right. And, and it's, uh, as St. Ignatius said, don't do uh, something new in a time of desolation when, when, when you're down right. and things are difficult when God seems different uh, or distant. But uh, rather, like you said, Matt, uh, there are those times of spiritual consolation that come out of nowhere. That's not something that we earn, uh, certainly. And God inspires new things, opens up new doors, leads us to new places, 
sometimes in those those times of spiritual consolation and do that. And so uh, we can be inspired to take a, a new direction. And the, and the lives of the saints are filled with uh, sometimes radical changes in direction, not from bad to, to correct, but even in the midst of, uh, well, like Mother Teresa in her vocation, in a vocation that uh, she was living very happily as a Loretto nun for 18, 19 years, and then the Lord did this radically new thing for her. Uh, but even in the same sort of external circumstances, also the, the depths can be opened up in a, in a new way within us. Well, this is, uh, you know, I think a, a great way to look at what it means to have a living um, relationship with God or to be growing spiritually. Those ideas of living and growth kind of imply newness. Like, I'm the same guy I was, uh, but the cells in my body are very different cells than they were a year ago <laughs> because I'm alive, right? If I were dead, yeah, so I'd be the same cells forever. Uh, you know, that, that idea of growth and life— uh, at least to me, helps me understand a little bit of what it means to sort of be renewed. I mean, my my skin is being renewed constantly, like invisibly on the cellular level because I'm alive, right? And that's part of being alive. Yeah, that's really amazing to think about all of that, uh, how, how much is, because our experience of ourselves isn't like that. We, we feel like basically the same person, and yet the, the sort of biological reality is all of this transformation, uh, death and growth, uh, new life, birth is, uh, is happening in our, in our own bodies all the time. And, and we could say similar things about our, our prayer life, that there's a, a way in those experiences like you described, Matt, you know, every eight or nine weeks, and then we encounter him, and it's as if I've fallen in love with him for the first time, that I've encountered this depth in him and this depth in myself that I didn't even know was there, and it's it's so amazing that it's like uh, I'm, I'm having this experience for the for the first time. It's a real renewal of my my love for him, my relationship with him. What would you say to somebody listening right now? Before we let you go, who thinks this all sounds fantastic, but has you know no idea how to access this kind of sense of newness and renewal and life and vitality and growth in their prayer life? What would be one sort of simple thing you might say to them this morning? Well, I think the the danger is grasping at it, and the key is remaining in it, and uh, uh, and and then just even from the from that place to say, Lord, I really want that. The more vulnerable that we can be, opening our heart, opening our hands, and and saying, Lord, I want more of you. I, I'm ready for wherever you want to take me. Uh, I, I want this uh, your newness, your love to to grow in my life. Just a very honest, humble, vulnerable prayer from the heart is uh, is a good place to take that. That's great stuff. Well, thank you so much, Father Boniface Hicks. We've got your book, Personal Prayer, A Guide to Receiving the Father's Love, linked at sun sunrisemorningshow.com. You co-wrote it with Father Thomas Acklin. It's a great resource uh, for getting started in prayer or for going from intermediate to the next level, whatever it happens to be, a fantastic resource. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. You too, and happy feast day. Yeah, happy feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. We're back with headlines right after this. It's a quarter past the hour. Support is for MediShare. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare 
and save even more than usual. For many families, switching to MediShare saves about $500 a month, which is a game changer for a lot of people. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the member satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. MediShare is a proven thing, too, for over 30 years. It's a Christian community of more than 400,000 members. And here's the thing. If you join before December 15th and you mention the promo code SHARE, you'll get another 10% off all of 2024. That's 12 months of savings. So I'll give you the number here in a second, but call. You'll get a price within two minutes. And again, the deadline's December 15th. So call now. You'll save even more. Here's the number, 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE, 844-55-BIBLE. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Catholic Women Now hosts Julie Nelson and Chris Magruder speak to what's on the hearts and minds of women, covering all things in light of the Catholic faith. You can hear Catholic Women Now, as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates across the nation, all in one place, all free at EWTN Podcast Central. Visit EWTNradio.net slash podcasts today. 17 minutes past the hour. Here's Anna with headlines. The president of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky, will be making a visit to Washington today to see the president and to meet with lawmakers on Capitol Hill. Christians in Jordan are planning low-key Christmas celebrations as a gesture of solidarity with Palestinians. And Pope Francis met with members of the Vatican watchdog to fight, telling them to fight the insidiousness of corruption. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And Anna Mitchell, uh, some of our listeners who are on Facebook might notice that uh, today we've got actually our live stream running on our Facebook page. So if that's you and you're catching this right now, uh, you're probably thinking, where in the world is Matt? Matt? My background is, this is not my my normal. in the world is? Well, I I, I do sneak around the world from Kiev to Carolina. I'm a sticky-fingered filter from Berlin down to Belize. Sticky-fingered gum... No, no, Shoot don't. You're messing up the words. You are not doing it, Rockapella. Never Arkansas him. I don't remember the words. I can't remember it either. I'm so ashamed. Can't remember it either. Last night, my sister and I were it's listening to songs from Hamilton. I'm sorry, and we Chief. We were ashamed at how few words we remembered. It's been so long since we listened. This is bad. So uh, this time of year, I'm mostly just remembering the O antiphons in order, so I can get it right. Oh yeah. Once we, once we get there. Nice. That's coming up fairly Just, soon. Yeah, That's like five days. Know. Starts on the 17th, yes. right? Indeed. I believe. Indeed. Yeah. So yeah. Five days away. So that's going to be kind of cool. But at any rate, I just want to let you know that I'm, you know, if you see me and it looks like I'm in some like weird closet somewhere, I'm actually in a hotel. We're doing uh, some journey home tapings. Today. Nice. So are you uh, going to tell us who you got this normal, week? This is not my normal setup. We got, well, um, I hate to spoil too much. Um, oh, come but on. We've got, 
You always tell us. Presbyterian pastor. We got okay. um, a lady who grew up Wiccan. We got a we got a few different things Ooh. in the mix. So that sounds. But again, intense. the last night, if you didn't catch last night's episode, it was Deb Scaravilli who grew up dispensationalist, uh, and then went to evangelical free. Um, and evangelical then, uh, free. Yes, what does that mean? Uh, well, for lack of a better word, it's it's evangelical and it's kind of free church. Um, so they just it's they easier want. to explain dispensationalism. Sure. Dispensationalism <laughs> would say in covenant theology, like once a new covenant comes in, you don't have to worry about the old covenant. Mm-hmm. And if you're a late acts dispensationalist, you don't have to worry about anything until like Paul goes and preaches to the Gentiles. So the Jesus stuff isn't even for you. Hmm. You can see why why it's important to have a magisterium to talk yeah. about how actually all those previous covenants do matter. They all flow into one another. Interesting. Anyway, you, you should go see Deb's episode of The Journey Home. Cool. com. Check it out. It's 21 minutes past the hour. Owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Hello, I'm Father Timothy Shear, and these are Biblical Impressions. The pursuit of happiness is part of our American tradition, but it may come as a surprise that happiness is also part of the tradition in the Psalms. The very first Psalm, for example, begins, Happy are those who do not walk in the way of the wicked. And continuing this theme, A psalm later in the Psalter, 119, the longest of the psalms in the Bible, begins, Happy are those whose way is blameless. Other psalms give us some insight into just how we might make our way happy. Psalm 32, Happy is the one whose sins are forgiven. And Psalms 112 and 128, Happy are those who fear the Lord. If we look at these psalms that begin with appeals for happiness, we get an idea of the prescription for happiness. It entails walking blamelessly with God, fearing the Lord, and being attentive to those in need. So if we're not happy on a given day, let's turn to the prescription offered to us in the Psalter. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Timothy Shear. It's 23 minutes past the hour. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us on a Tuesday morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Whether it's listening on the radio, listening on our live stream or on our app, or watching us on video, which you can find through YouTube and Facebook and through our website, sunrisemorningshow.com. Marlon De La Torre is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show, Senior Director for the Evangelization Department for the Diocese of Columbus. He writes at knowingisdoing.org. Good morning, Marlon. Go Bucks. 
Good morning, Annie. Go Bucks. So we are talking about Our Lady of Guadalupe today, the patroness mm-hmm. of the Americas. She appeared to St. Juan Diego in 1531 as he was mm-hmm. hurrying down Tepeyac Hill in order mm-hmm. to get to Mass that day. She tells him she wants a shrine built where mm-hmm. she's standing, and in order to convince the bishop she uh, had him pick a bunch of roses that had no business mm-hmm. growing that time of year. And so he brings them to the bishop gathered up in his tilma. And when he presents the roses, opens up his tilma to the bishop there on his garment was an mm-hmm. image of Our Lady of Guadalupe, which is still with us today, front and center in that shrine that she had asked for. How do you reflect on this story, Marlon? You know, it's uh, our, our Blessed Mother never ceases to amaze us that as, as a nurturing and nourishing mom, she presents herself at an opportune time to help us reflect back on our Lord. And with Juan Diego, it, especially uh, personal to me being a Mexican-American and having grown up, with our Lady Guadalupe, even to the degree anywhere, sometimes we would we would place a higher veneration on our on our Blessed Mother. Uh, dare I say, even more above our Lord Jesus Christ. This is wow. part of the, the the old customer tradition. It was never meant to uh, in any way denigrate our Lord or to look at him as second fiddle. It's just she's so intimate that sometimes this uh, local custom or culture would place her in such a high esteem. But beside that, um, the, the significance of Our Lady, not just for the Mexican people, but in general for all peoples of Americas, is the fact she came as a beautiful mother. Uh, she came as somebody who sought to console uh, the hearts and minds of the people, to address the wounds of the people, especially between this uh, interplay of uh, the conquest of the Aztecs by the conquistadors, seeing the Spanish Franciscans come into play and try to establish the church uh, in the land that become very indigenous and very hostile to, to anything of faith. Uh, this was a, a great uh, awakening and opportunity for the church. And our Blessed Mother was such a beautiful, instrumental piece to Juan Diego, being very calm with him, but being very direct and firm. Uh, I think those are just backdrops or interplays of how we see our Blessed Mother and really reinvigorate and completely put a stamp on her son. Christ in, in a land that needed it so much at that particular point in time, really in, in, in the 1500s, 16th century, that uh, we see a great love for her because her aim was to take care of us and bring us back to him. Absolutely. I mean, think of it, millions, millions yeah. of conversions to the true faith because of this particular apparition on Tepeyac Hill. How do you see Our Lady of Guadalupe as a model of evangelization for us today? It's a great question. I think, first and foremost, she was differential in how she communicated to Juan Diego. And what I mean by that was she basically uh, spoke with him in a very loving manner as an entryway. You could even say that there was this pre-evangelization of Mm -hmm. of how she addressed him. And, And so he was very calm. I think when you look at the documentation and the historical record, there was this beautiful interplay between them where there was no fear initially. Now, obviously, we do have a record where he, he kind of ran away afterwards, but I mean, we have this, this syndrome of St. Peter 
that also mm-hmm. overtook San Juan Diego. And, and that's fine. That's part of the journey. When you receive this initial wave of grace, and you don't know what to do with it, so you run. But she was consoling to him, and, and this was a, a great way of seeing how our Lord speaks to us and how our Blessed Mother proved that when we receive a grace from our Lord, yes, there may be an initial human fear, but that's going to be supplanted immediately by a divine fear, a divine holy fear that will take care of you. And I think that that's part of our responsibility when we proclaim the gospel, when we introduce Christ to someone who may be so overwhelmed they may run away, they're not running away from you. It's the fact that they haven't been exposed to this wonderful gift yet, and they don't know what to do with it. So we have to be aware of that. And I think our Blessed Mother brought that to fruition, and the way she painstakingly said, this is how you build your life, and I want you to build this chapel. I want you to build it in a way that's visible to all, and I want you to present this to Archbishop Simaraga so he can see himself through his senses that I am real, that Christ is real. And I think this becomes the second piece, I think, any of evangelization. We have to be demonstrative in a holy way. Uh, it's not just by our words, but how we live, our behavior, our demeanor, and to provide those, those elements of faith that will help the person seek our Lord. And I think that's exactly what she did. I mean, th- there's no way 7 to 10 million people, based on the historical record, come home to the church unless there was something there visible. So. Amen to that. We've been talking to Marlon De La Torre, and you can find his site, knowingisdoing.org, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Just click on the show notes for today, and you can find it right there. Marlon, thank you so much. Happy Feast Day, and go Bucks. Thank you. Thank you, Eddie. Go Bucks. You know, I was talking to a Dominican sister last night with the Institute of Catholic Culture, and... Uh, she was an Ann Arbor Dominican, and she's starting a new community in Bismarck, North Dakota. And I told her how proud I was that she escaped Ann Arbor. And then she said, O-H. And I said, I-O. It was awesome. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. President Biden welcomes Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky to the White House today. Zelensky's visit is coming at a critical moment in negotiations in Washington for aid to Ukraine. The Biden administration wants Congress to pass its more than $100 billion package for Ukraine, Israel, and other national security priorities. But Republicans say they'll only support the package if it comes with significant U.S. border policy changes. More on that in a moment. Zelensky will also be meeting with lawmakers on Capitol Hill. A new poll shows nearly half of voters believe the U.S. is spending too much on aid for Ukraine in the war with Russia. Mark Mayfield has more. The Financial Times Michigan Ross poll found that 48 percent of voters said the U.S. is sending too much financial and military support to Kiev. Meanwhile, 27 percent said the U.S. was spending the right amount and 11 percent said the spending was not enough. This comes as lawmakers are divided over an aid package requested by President Biden that includes funding for both Ukraine and Israel. Republicans are demanding U.S. border policy reforms in exchange for more Ukraine aid. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Texas mother at the center of a lawsuit over the state's heartbeat law has left the state to get an abortion somewhere else. That according to the Center for Reproductive Rights. Kate Cox had brought a suit saying that her unborn child had been diagnosed with a fatal condition, but her doctors claimed they feared prosecution and would not treat her. 
last week. A court ruled in Cox's favor, but that was immediately paused by the state Supreme Court. The Air Force says accused leaker Jack Teixeira acted alone, but 15 others are still being disciplined for dereliction of duty. A U.S. Air Force Inspector General investigation found the unit, quote, failed to take proper action after they found out about the Massachusetts Air National Guardman's intelligence-seeking activities. However, there was no evidence that his supervisors were aware of the alleged leaks. The indirect factors that enabled the leak include failing to adequately inspect areas under command, inconsistently reporting security incidents, and lack of supervision and oversight on night shift operations. Pope Francis met yesterday with staffers of the Vatican's Office of the Auditor General, urging them to fight the insidiousness of corruption in the Holy See and Vatican City. From Vatican Radio, Joseph Tullock reports. The Office of the Auditor General, which the Pope himself established nine years ago, serves as the anti-corruption authority of the Holy See and the Vatican City State. In his address to staff, Pope Francis stressed the importance of eliminating corruption in the Vatican. As he is recovering from bronchitis, Pope Francis did not read his prepared speech, but instead handed it over to be read afterwards. Those who work at the Holy See in the Vatican City State certainly do so faithfully and honestly, the Pope's speech read. The law of corruption, however, is so dangerous that we must be extremely vigilant. I know that you dedicate much time to this, the Pope added, stressing the need to balance absolute transparency in every action with discretion, since scandals, he said, serve more to fill the pages of the newspapers than to correct behaviour in depth. In addition to this, the Pope stressed, I invite you to help those responsible for the administration of the Holy See's assets to create safeguards that can prevent corruption from materialising. Pope Francis continued his address by stressing three of the audit office's core characteristics, independence, attention to international principles and professionalism, noting that many members of the office possess decades of high-level international experience and are dedicated to continuous on-the-job education. Pope Francis said that it is a moral obligation for them to be up-to-date about the continuing evolution of the field. The Pope concluded his speech by thanking the staff of the audit office for all their work and sending his best wishes for the Christmas season to them and their families. I'm Joseph Tullock. Google has lost an antitrust lawsuit from video game company Epic Games after a jury found the Google Play phone app is an illegal monopoly. Epic Games, maker of the popular Fortnite game, has been fighting Google and Apple for years over how the App Store's payment sharing systems work. The company changed its software so that customers could pay Epic directly to get around paying Google as much as 30%. The game was then kicked off the Google platform. On Monday, a jury found Google was operating an illegal monopoly through its app. That's the news. It's 35 minutes past. Got a coffee lover on your Christmas list this year? Give them the gift of Mystic Monk Coffee. The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of seasonal blends that would make for a great Christmas morning brew. And when you purchase it, after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you support the monks and the show. If your coffee lover is also a fan of the Sunrise Morning Show, pick up a mug or travel mug for them in our online store. 
Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, Is it right to show respect to the pictures and images of Christ and his saints? It is right to show respect to the pictures and images of Christ and his saints, because they are the representations and the memorials of them. On my desk is a picture of my parents and sometimes before I go to bed, I might give it a little kiss. And so, if I'm going to respect this image of my earthly parents, well, shouldn't I respect the image of my heavenly Father and of his Son, Jesus, who died for me? And so, it is right, then, to show respect to these pictures and images because they truly help us to enter into the spiritual realm, transcend the material, and to recognize the grace that God uses through these things. And so, if we show them the proper respect and not superstition, then we are better able to keep the faith until death. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swain, joined now by Dr. Benjamin Lewis, Director of Translation Services for the International Commission on English in the Liturgy. Dr. Lewis, good morning. Good morning, Matt. How are you? Doing well. And uh, before we get into today's text, uh, you had sent us a note, and I find this is fascinating, uh, about how when you are doing translations of a text that people don't understand into a language that they do understand, you have to be careful not to quote-unquote over-translate. Now, what do you mean by that? Sure. Yeah. Well, it's like Aristotle says about virtue. It's a, it's a balance between deficiency and excess. And I think that's a pretty good way of describing the challenge of, of translation. You have to strive for a kind of balance. You don't want to over-translate. You don't want to under-translate. And what I mean by that is the, the essence of translation is you're taking something unintelligible and making it intelligible. And in, in the process of doing that, you don't want to insult the intelligence of the person you're translating for, right? This is something we do um, throughout life in a hundred different ways. Um, if I ask you to explain the radio to me, uh, you could explain it in a way that assumes more knowledge than I have, or you can explain it to a way that makes me feel like I'm five years old and you're insulting my intelligence by, by explaining to me things that I, you don't need to explain. So uh, when we're translating from a from a anything really, um, we can we can over translate. We can explain more than needs to be explained. And in in the case of liturgical translation, um, there, there's a temptation to explain things um, that are meant to be sort of mysterious or ambiguous or vague in the text we're translating. And that's part of the beauty of what we're translating is there's a kind of multiplicity of meaning or a polyvalence to the text. And we don't want to try to explain it away or uh, insult the intelligence of, of our audience by, by sort of dumbing it down, if that yeah, makes and you sense. Yeah, and you don't want to kill the poetry either. 
uh, right. <laughs> you know, in the mix. Exactly. Of it. You know, as we're approaching uh, the Christmas season, I can't help but think of uh, how this sometimes happens to Christmas hymns. Um, I don't exactly. hear it on the radio, but I do see it in, in hymnals and churches. And the one, since you and I both have Wesleyan backgrounds, the one that always gets me is Hark the Herald <laughs> Angels Sing. Yes. Where yes. the original line just says, please does man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel, which is just a, yes. a brilliant turn of phrase and a brilliant insight <laughs> into the carnation, incarnation. And what we often get is please in flesh with us to dwell, which is still technically true. But it sort yes. of like kills the the poetic. It kills the poetry. I was just talking with my wife about this yesterday about how we butcher that line of poetry from Charles Wesley. Yeah. Yes, indeed. All right, so uh, we'll move on from Wesley then to some Latin that you had to actually translate without making that same mistake. So, which one did you want to look at today? Yeah, so we talked last week about this Laud's morning prayer hymn that's used for every day of Advent up until uh, December seventeenth, and we just finished uh, last week talking about the first stanza. And I kind of wanted to talk a little bit more about that and the second stanza, because there's so much, there's so much in this hymn. And there's a reason the church gives it to us every day for morning prayer uh, for the first part of Advent up until uh, December 17th. So I want to just read it again, the new translation that uh, you can get in the divine office hymnal, that's going to be coming out in the new revised version of the liturgy of the hours in the next couple of years. And then we'll talk a, a little bit about some of this ambiguity, some of this uh, multiplicity of meaning that's there in the text. Behold a voice resounding clear, rebuking hidden fears and deeds. Let dreams be driven far away for Christ shines forth from heaven's height. Now let the weary soul arise, infirm and wounded by her sin. A new star now sends forth its light to rid the world of every harm. The Lamb is sent from realms on high to free us from our mortal debt. Let every voice give thankful praise and weep for tender mercy shown. That when he comes like lightning flash and terror grips the world in dread, he need not punish us for guilt, but with compassion shield us then. Praise to the Father, God Most High, all victory to his only Son. Do honor to the Spirit blessed through endless ages evermore. Amen. Yeah, you shared that one with us last time, and, and it's just it's hearing it again. Of course, you hear it again and again uh, you know, throughout Advent. It's, there's, there's some richness there, but which nuance did you want to point out this week? <laughs> All right, so I want to quickly, I want to move beyond the first stanza, but I do want to point out, in Latin, the second line is actually more vague than we've translated it. Literally, a voice, a clear voice, behold a clear voice sounds, rebuking obscura queque, literally a rebuking certain hidden things, which is kind of funny because it's intentionally vague and the the thing that's vague is hidden things, which is vague in and of itself. So it, there's something beautifully general about rebuking certain hidden things. We're not even going to say what those hidden things are because we have to make this a, a hymn that's general enough that everybody can pray it and kind of bring to it whatever's going on in their life, right? So it's a bit like the Confidior. We're not going to specify in the Confidior at Mass, I confess uh, we're not going to name specific sins because this has to be a sort of general confession everybody can make at the beginning of Mass. So we just we cover the general categories of sin. Um, so I think here a similar thing is at work where 
we're not going to name specifically what the hidden things are. We're just going to sort of say hidden things. And then whatever those hidden things happen to be for you or for me, we can, we can think of what those are. Um, and we're not even saying whose voice it is. Uh, we're just sort of left to figure out, you know, of course, it's John the Baptist, the voice crying out in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord. But it's also, it's also anybody's voice who's, who's speaking truth and calling us to repentance. Um, so in a way, we're all called to be that voice in Advent. Uh, and we're all called to hear that voice in Advent uh, to help us prepare for the coming of the Lord. But there's yeah. also an ambiguity in the in the second stanza. We make a reference to a new star sends forth its light. Now we know who that star is, um, but we're not we're not naming him, uh, and we're not saying you know the Son of God is coming or the Day Star or the Son of Justice. We're just saying a new star sends forth its light. So all of these sort of vague references to things in the hymn are prompting us to reflect and even to contemplate. Who is the voice? What are the hidden things in my life that that need to be rebuked? Who is the star sending forth its light? And what does that mean for me? And what does that mean for you? It's it's a beautifully open text that calls us to reflect and contemplate. It doesn't overspell it out. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Benjamin Lewis. We've got the International Commission on English and the Liturgy linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Check it out find out all their cool stuff, including their new Divine Office hymnal. Back with headlines after this, it's a quarter till. Support is from Solidarity HealthShare. Do you have an insurance plan that pays for everything, even things that violate your beliefs? Have you ever felt there has to be a better way, but didn't know you had any options? If you answered yes, I've got some good news for you. There is a better way and a more affordable way. Solidarity HealthShare can save you hundreds of dollars each month while actually supporting your beliefs. Because the best news is that Solidarity HealthShare costs a whole lot less than insurance. It's time to jump in and put your money where your faith is and put some money back into your wallet at the same time. Join Solidarity HealthShare, a faith-based healthcare sharing community. Prices start as low as $384 a month for families. Call to see how much you can save, 844-334-3245. That's 844-334-3245. Solidarity HealthShare, 844-334-3245. Got a coffee lover on your Christmas list this year? Give them the gift of Mystic Monk Coffee. The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of seasonal blends that would make for a great Christmas morning brew. And when you purchase it, after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you support the monks and the show. If your coffee lover is also a fan of the Sunrise Morning Show, pick up a mug or travel mug for them in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Church Pop takes a fresh and fun look at the news shaping our world, featuring engaging, inspiring, and informative Catholic social media content. Find it on Snapchat, Instagram, and on the web at churchpop.com. And you can get Church Pop emailed directly to your inbox. Visit EWTN.com and click subscribe. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. I'm spiritual, but do I have to be religious? Join me, Dr. David Andrews, as we answer your questions on Call to Communion today at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 13 Till, here's Anna with headlines. 
President Biden has, is welcoming Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky to the White House today. In Illinois, there's been a huge victory for pro-life pregnancy centers. And Pope Francis met yesterday with staffers of the Vatican's Office of the Auditor General, urging them to fight the insidiousness of corruption. Next newscast coming up in about 15-ish minutes from now as the Sunrise Morning Show continues here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Coming up on 12 Till. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Frank Donio from the Catholic Apostolate Center. Good morning, Father Frank. Good morning, Anna. So we're continuing our Advent mini-series, spending the season with the founder of your order, St. Vincent Pallotti. And last time we talked about the theme of silence in Advent. This week we are focusing on prayer. And Advent really gives us a wonderful opportunity to increase our prayer, doesn't it? It does. And it gives us an opportunity to, to really discipline ourselves. Of course, it's the liturgical new year. And so a number of people make resolutions in the calendar new year. Yeah. But how about in the liturgical new year? Maybe it's a time for us to resolve to pray more, to really be in more communication with God and to pray with, St. Vincent Pallotti says, with perseverance, often and as well as you possibly can. And that sometimes means that we're going to be frustrated in our prayer. And and he goes on and he says, do not worry if you fail to find any consolation. Persevere and act with confidence. You will receive the fruits without being conscious of them. Mm. And sometimes I think we look for, we, we always look for in our prayer some sense that we're being heard or some kind of, as, as St. Vincent puts it, a, a consolation. But there are moments in our prayer where we may feel desolation or we might feel that, that there's not something happening. Yeah. You know, I, I think too often we, we put prayer, I find this sometimes with some of the young people I work with, they want that, that, that prayer to really feel good. Yep. And, it's not really all about feeling good. It's persevering because the Lord is faithful. And so what St. Vincent is saying, look, be faithful. You're still going to get the fruits. You just may not realize it. Well, don't you think this is an issue with how we utilize this gift that we have in prayer? I think it, it becomes for so many of us synonymous with petitioning God with whatever intention, whatever it is that we want God to do, whether it be in our lives or in the lives of someone else, we're asking God to act. And 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 so if we don't get the answer that we truly want, you know, it could be coming from the best place in our heart ever. But if it's not answered in the way that we're expecting, we can often think that we're failing at prayer. But prayer is so much more than just petitioning God, isn't it? It is. And and prayer is not magic. Right. That that sends us in the direction of superstition. Mm-hmm. 
And as you, you may recall, I, I spent a number of years at St. Jude Shrine in Baltimore. Oh, yeah. And there would be people coming in, as the patron saint of hopeless cases, there would be people coming in with all sorts of issues. But what I found beautiful were the ones who just kept persevering in prayer, persevering, persevering. And the number of, for example, the number of, of parents and grandparents and relatives who would come in and talk about family members who were no longer practicing the faith and how that was such a burden that they were carrying. And they they kept persevering in that prayer. It was like St. Monica with St. Augustine. And sometimes that change would occur and sometimes it wouldn't. But that perseverance in prayer is still a fruit that we receive because we're in ongoing communication. So it's not just simply our asking. It's how are we in thanksgiving to God? How are we in adoration of God? You know, these are how are we contrite as well it's huge and but also look at our sometimes you know people will say oh i don't i don't get i don't get anything out of the mass you know that communal prayer it, it's not a matter of of what we feel it's a matter of our being together with the community of faith worshiping the lord who we receive in the eucharist talk about fruit yeah it's about conformity with christ is it not i mean exactly when when you think about it i mean even if you're even if you're thinking about prayer simply as petition um you know if you've if you've spent your time in prayer going beyond just petition or even if it has been petition but always praying that lord your will be done um that that my will be conformed with yours if our will is in perfect conformity with god's then we get everything we want don't we father yes i mean and that's the whole point is to get there and that's what and that's what saint vincent pilati is saying that that's part of the fruit that we'll receive and he's saying you know persevere and act with confidence he puts an exclamation point in that when he wrote it act with confidence He, he was writing this as a letter to someone part of a letter to someone. And it's it's important for us to to continue to persevere. Perseverance sometimes is a a virtue that is not as present as it could be in our culture. We, but it's graced perseverance. Yeah. Amen. Beautiful, beautiful thought from St. Vincent Pilati, shared with us by Father Frank Donio. And you can find the Advent resources at the Catholic Apostolate Center linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, thank you. Thank you and God bless. And Matt, so we are celebrating today the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And I imagine, is Matt there? Matt here? Matt, you there? Matt's not there? Paul's giving me a thumbs down. Matt is not there. Well, when Matt gets here. Oh, he's here now. This is this is a mess. Matt. Oh, he's putting his headphones on. I hear oh, him. Matt, sorry about that. I was going to talk to you. I went you. and go to, You went to go get yeah, breakfast go, at the hospital the the hotel? No. I went to just go take a bite of my uh sausage biscuit and then you and <laughs> Father Father Donio, Donio were wrapped done. up our conversation. Well, I was going to say, um, I wanted to give you a moment to reflect on Our Lady of Guadalupe from the the perspective of a, a convert to Catholicism because of, I mean, just the sheer number 
of converts that that came to the true faith because of her. Well, I was going to uh, try and get the dates together for this. So let's see. When did the uh, so the the Continental Reformation with Martin Luther that starts in fifteen seventeen? Correct. Right. Uh, the English Reformation starts not very long after that. Right. Uh, just really a few years later. Which all happened just a few years after 1492 when Columbus brings the gospel to the Americas through Spanish missionaries, Portuguese missionaries. So you're looking at 1517 and a couple of decades in there where Europe like completely falls apart. splinters and the faith yeah. falls apart. Uh, 1531, you're looking at uh, really just a few years, 14 years after the reformation kicks off is when our lady of guadalupe appears in mexico and millions and millions so while one piece of the church is kind of splintering and falling apart this other is growing and exploding uh through the work of our lady and i, wow. I just uh i think it's a powerful image of what's always going on in the church everywhere you look there's good things happening and bad things happening but god is always always at doing work. stuff always at always work. doing stuff Yep. So that's my two cents if you were looking for my, my Guadalupe. That and it's Taco Tuesday, Anna Mitchell. Yeah, well, I'm sorry I interrupted your sausage biscuit eating. It was not. I should have put some like salsa on it. You should have kept it what was closer I to your microphone. I should have. I walked it over here. I didn't want people to see me eating, but now the, now the secret it's is all out. out. Another full hour coming up here in just a moment. It's three till. We continue on this Tuesday, the 12th of December, the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, by praying together the collect from today's Mass in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. O God, Father of mercies, who placed your people under the singular protection of your Son's most holy mother, grant that all who invoke the Blessed Virgin of Guadalupe may seek with ever more lively faith the progress of peoples in the ways of justice and of peace. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. Happy Feast Day to our listeners on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Anybody connected with Mexico, anybody connected with North America, anybody connected with the Americas, because she's got patronage over all that stuff. Pro-life stuff, all kinds of things connected to Our Lady of Guadalupe. I'm Matt Swain. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis is working on getting the video stream everywhere that that goes. Dina Dwyer Owens will share some uh, ways that she's been trying to help form young professionals to be people of character and professionalism and involve their faith in the process. Joseph Pierce will discuss the succession of Elizabeth I. We've been going through English history with him. Steve Ray is going to talk about brides and betrothals in the uh, Bible. He 
does the Stuff in the Bible series uh, with us every week. And then Chris McGregor will look at some stuff related to Our Lady of Guadalupe. And I've said stuff way too many times for one promo. Two minutes past, news of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com and all the stuff they do. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. President Biden will be hosting a meeting with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky at the White House today. More from Mark Mayfield. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters that the meeting comes at a time when Russian forces are ramping up attacks on civilian infrastructure in Ukraine. Zelensky's visit comes at a critical moment in negotiations for emergency aid to Ukraine. The Biden administration wants Congress to pass its more than $100 billion package for Ukraine, Israel, and other national security priorities, but Republicans say they'll only support the package if it comes with significant U.S. border policy changes. Zelensky will also meet with lawmakers on Capitol Hill. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Texas mother at the center of a lawsuit over the state's abortion ban has left the state to get an abortion somewhere else. That, according to the Center for Reproductive Rights, Kate Cox had brought a suit saying that her unborn child had been diagnosed with a fatal condition, but her doctors would not treat her, claiming that they feared prosecution. Last week, a court ruled in Cox's favor to allow her to get an abortion, but that was immediately paused by the state Supreme Court. Now she is headed to another state. Illinois has dropped the enforcement of a law targeting pro-life pregnancy centers. A federal judge in August had granted a motion for a preliminary injunction seeking to immediately halt the measure, which allowed the Illinois Attorney General to investigate complaints against centers accused of using misinformation, deceptive practices, or misrepresentation in order to persuade women away from abortion. The injunction was requested in a lawsuit filed by National Institute of Family Life Advocates and the president of NIFLA, said in a statement that this law was a, quote, absolute weaponization of government that unfairly and unconstitutionally targeted pregnancy centers simply because they refused to refer or perform abortion, saying, let this be a stern example of what awaits them when attempting to pass and enforce similar laws. He said, look to Illinois and save taxpayer dollars for actually helping their communities instead of going after organizations that help women and their families. Christians in Jordan are planning low-key Christmas celebrations as a gesture of solidarity with Palestinians. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. Christmas will be different this year in the Kingdom of Jordan. No lights will shine as Christians celebrate the coming of the Lord. The usually cheerful festivities will be muted at the request of Christian leaders in the country in a gesture of solidarity with the suffering Palestinian people just across the border. Pope Francis has repeatedly called for a ceasefire in Gaza, where more than 18,000 people have died since Israel began military operations on the 8th of October. The decision to cancel festivities, including bazaars, musical celebrations and the distribution of gifts, came from the Jordanian Council of Churches, which asked that its communities restrict their Christmas celebrations to prayer and religious ceremonies, as well as on donating to funds in support of children in Gaza. Over 10,000 children have died so far in the Strip. 
Moreover, almost two million people have been displaced, with nowhere to go, and with neither food nor water. Observers are describing the situation as desperate, a humanitarian catastrophe. Bethlehem, too, will be dim over the Christmas period. There will be no Christmas tree at the traditional site of Jesus' birth. We will celebrate in sobriety, said Father Francisco Paton of the custody of the Holy Land. No celebrations this year, as the world weeps for the victims of violence. I'm Francesca Merlo. And more Americans are traveling on planes or by car for Christmas. Travel is still on the upswing after the pandemic. AAA predicts more than 115 million Americans will travel at least 50 miles over the last 10 days of the year. It's the highest projection since 2019. AAA's senior vice president of travel said in a news release that this year's holiday prediction is 2.5 million more than last year. She said more Americans are investing in travel despite the cost to make memories with loved ones and experience new places. I have never been outside of Cincinnati for Christmas. Really? Yeah. I've never traveled for Christmas. Well, I mean, I can't think that you have any major reason to. I stay home for Christmas. For Christmas. Read the first line of that story one more time. More Americans are traveling on planes or by car this Christmas. Okay, so what would be the other options? Uh, Train. Boat. Train. You've been on a boat for Christmas. I've been on all kinds of things for Christmas. Have you been on a one horse know. open I mean, sleigh? I, uh, well, I don't think for Christmas. Dashing through I feel the like snow. I've, been on one. I've never been on an actual. Jingle bells, like by the way, that. is a Thanksgiving song. You know that, right? We've mm-hmm. talked about. Yeah, this going before. to Grandma's house. Yeah, going to Grandma's house. Well, that's over Indeed. the river and through the woods. Oh, well, sorry. I think about going to Grandma's house when dashing through the snow. Foot. Does AAA track how people go by foot? How many people are going by foot? I don't know. Across the street? Yeah. Could be. Yeah. I know Could some be. people that live that close to their... Your pastor's going to probably go by foot Yeah. to celebrate Mass. Exactly. From uh, the rectory to the mm-hmm. to the sanctuary, as it were. Where's your favorite place? It's eight. Oh. No. Tell me. Favorite place favorite you've been place. for Christmas? Because you've like gone on cruises um, and stuff for Christmas. I've done some, some weird things. I don't know, like my own bed. Okay, that's coming down. Getting I'm a down cup of coffee. That. I'm down with that. I'm sorry. I like it when people come to me. Take it away, Matt. I will take it away. It's eight minutes past the hour. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Dina Dwyer Owens, a former chairwoman and CEO of Neighborly, author, speaker. Good morning, Matt. <laughs> Well, uh, I want to talk about, uh, because you've had some experience with this personally of late, uh, it's all about you know trying to make sure we're doing virtues and values in our workplace, but we don't live in a bubble, and we don't want these things to, to just disappear when we go away. So how have you been thinking about the importance of instilling these in the generations of uh, people who are entering the workforce now so that these things can sort of stay with a company, with a culture, uh, with kind of like a corporate environment across the board? Well, I've had the privilege, of course, for many, many years um, as CEO and chairwoman of the company of teaching that class called Design Your Life. We've talked about this a few times, um, but basically indoctrinating people in the idea of you need to know who you are and what you stand for and be as clear as writing down what your personal values are and what, what are those rules and rituals, those traditions and habits you have that support that those values are, in fact, uh, number one to you or very important to you? 
we've talked about, for example, my, my faith is my number one personal value. And, and how do I prove that? Well, I'm sitting outside of St. Mary's Catholic Church downtown Waco about to go to daily Mass after this call. That's one of my daily habits. I go five or six days a week, not every day, but that's one of the things that I do to, to strengthen my faith, my faith walk. So I have recently had the opportunity to teach that same Design Your Life class to students at uh, Palm Beach Atlantic University in West Palm Beach, Florida. And I have done this at many universities, from Cornell to Baylor University to even high schools. And I don't do a lot of speaking, but this is one course that I love teaching to young people because most of them, Matt, unfortunately, have not thought about what do I believe? What are my personal values? Not what everybody else is talking about on social media, but what do I personally believe? We talk about this all the time, uh, Dina, in regard to uh, technology use and what it means to be formed as like a person and understand how to do that. You know, we've, we're, we're up against a battle, and it's, I mean, it's not one that we are destined to lose, right? It's one that if we just go about it right, we can do some incredible things. A lot of the people who are being formed in high schools and in colleges, they're being told, like, this is what you got to do. These are the skills you got to learn to go make money so that you can have a nice life, so you can send your kids to a good school, and the cycle continues. But there's not a whole lot of the why behind that, right? And I think people know that there's more than just getting out and educating yourself so you can get a good job. you got to be formed somehow as a human being to figure out how to live in this world because there are plenty of people that you've talked to, I know I've talked to, who did that trick of just, I'm going to work and make money, and then I'm going to have things. And then they got those things, and they're like, well, now what do I do with myself? Yeah, I felt completely empty. So uh, one of the beautiful things is we do have some very good Christian um, universities around. Uh, we, we have some not-so-good ones, but we have some very good ones. And this group of students that I spoke to, this was about a week and a half ago, uh, I was so impressed because they were they were on fire for trying to get their arms around this thing called personal values. And they, they talked about how they are challenged by everything else going on in the world, but they don't want to fit into that mold, what everybody else is doing. And yes, they've got to make a living. We all have to make a living, right? It's kind of like the air we breathe. We've got to have it. And we talk about how there's nothing wrong with making a good living. There's nothing wrong with making a lot of money. It's what you do once you get that money that's good or bad. And I think they have to know going into their career who they want to work with, right? Some of them will be entrepreneurs. Some of them will work for corporations. But make sure you know who you are and you're finding the company that matches your personal values, because otherwise you're going to be compromised. And it's very hard. It's just human nature. It's very hard for us to get out of a position once we've gotten into a position, especially one that's making us good money, even though we know the values aren't aligned. So these are the kinds of things that we need to talk about with the young people. And I think the whole the whole legacy of, you know, in our family in particular, when I think about managing finances, you know, we've got a lot of young nieces and nephews in my family, you know, who are um, entrepreneurial, inspired to go out and make a lot of money, and we're trying to help them understand why. What is the purpose for making a lot of money, and what are you going to do with that? Like you said, Matt, once you've made it, there's so much good that can be done. And so that's something we all need to be doing with young people. To be able to remember that if, you, if you've if you been given these gifts uh, of, of industriousness and have been blessed financially or blessed with skills and talents – I mean, what if you just buried that talent in the field and just were like, "I well, I learned my thing. I got what I needed to. Who cares about the next generation? But, like, you know, this is something that you realized and recognized. Like, hey, I learned some stuff. Maybe it will help another person. I mean, we've all got time, talent, and treasure that we're really meant to pass on to other people. 
That's right, and it's the planting of the seed. So sometimes it's frustrating. <laughs> I know your kids are quite young, but it can be frustrating when you're when you're watching young people around you thinking, did they not hear a thing that we said? I mean, like I've been around for 60 years. 40 of those years I worked. So there's, there are a few things that I've learned, you know, good and bad, um, but I try to share those. And, and yet we have to remember we can't control what they're going to do with the things that we've passed on to them, but all we can do is plant those seeds. And of course, the most important seeds that we plant are the fact that Jesus loves them, <laughs> and they need to make that the priority. But it's it's a beautiful thing, then all of a sudden, you know, maybe two or five years later, and you go, oh my gosh, look, look what they're doing. They're getting it. You know, they're, they're working, serving their community now, doing things that they never really talked about doing. So it's a, yeah. it's a beautiful thing. So don't, don't be frustrated, uh, those of you who are listening. Keep planting the seeds. And keep nurturing those seeds, and before you know it, great things will come from that. So I, I have great hope about the future of our young generation if people continue to plant those positive seeds with them. Well, I do get frustrated sometimes, uh, Dina, about people who are <laughs> coming up into the workforce until oh. until I remember what I was like at that age. And then I'm like, ah, well, you know, I mean, you can't do somebody's journey for them, and they're probably learning things even in those mistakes that you know frustrate you and i i mean think about all the things that have gone into making you the kind of person that you are and not all of them were your successes <laughs> right not it's all of them are your the good mistakes. decisions right you're right it's mostly the mistakes it's the stupid things that i did or the things that i was too lazy to be disciplined about doing and i i'll never forget uh when my father founded our company in 1981 he set his belief system we call them the code of values today but he called them the code of values, but it was really emotionally based beliefs. And the one that he hammered into me, and it was so annoying until I grew up, was we must re-earn our positions every day in every way. Sure, celebrate the victories of yesterday, learn from the mistakes. But today, give it 100% again. And the young people sometimes that we see around us, they think, oh, I did great yesterday, I worked hard yesterday, I'm not going to work hard today. I get a break today. And we just can't uh, build the kind of country, the kind of world we need to build by just thinking that just because I worked hard yesterday, that's all I have to do. If uh, our listeners want to get a copy of your Create Your Culture workbooks or your, your Better Future workbooks or connect with any of the things that you're doing to help people understand how to bring their faith into their work, how do they do so, Dina Dwyer Owens? They can just go to dinadwyerowens.com. It's very simple. And I think I have the original Code of Values posted there, too, because I think that that might be interesting to folks. It's really the kind of thinking we need to have. Like our Creator put us on this earth to succeed, we should accept our daily successes, humbly knowing that a higher power, God, is guiding us. So DinaDwyerOath.com, Matt, you and Anna, keep up the God work. Well, thank you, Dina, and you do the same. We've got Dina linked at SunriseMorningShow.com. 17 past, we're back right after this. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, 
online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Get an insider's look at the latest information from EWTN. Sign up for WINGS, EWTN's weekly email newsletter. Get the latest information about live events, special features, and guests. Connect with EWTN on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Just go to EWTN.com and click on the WINGS link to sign up. Don't miss a minute of all that's happening at EWTN. Get your WINGS today. 19 past. Here's Anna with headlines. President Biden will host a meeting today with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky at the White House. Illinois has dropped enforcement of a law that targeted pro-life pregnancy centers. And Pope Francis met yesterday with staffers for the Vatican's Office of the Auditor General, urging them to fight the insidiousness of corruption. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And since I gave everybody fair warning to do their grocery shopping for today with the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe, I should probably give people fair warning to make sure they got plenty of candles. Candles tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. For tomorrow. Uh, so go go stock up on those for the Feast of St. Lucy of Syracuse because candles nice. can be a big part of the celebration. Absolutely. If you, uh, I mean, some of you already have Put four them on, on your the table. head. You know, but uh, can you take it and make a crown out of it and set your head on fire? My hair's on fire know. every day, Matt, as you know. That's true, but only metaphorically. Only metaphorically. Uh, metaphorically but doesn't make do for good for uh, web streaming. You going to put a crown well, of he, candles on your head? I, uh, I I probably will not. It will not catch my hair on fire. I can tell you that. Yeah. Uh, I didn't you know, think so. I don't think they sell the kind Safer. of hairspray that that is as dangerous in that regard safer for people like used you to. yeah although the wax will just drip straight onto my scalp Ooh. if i do that oh you know yeah. the, the crown of candles thing is much more of like a girl thing you yeah, know than okay, a boy thing just doesn't look the same on a dude i get it just saying yeah that's true our lady of guadalupe saint lucy of syracuse pray for pray us pray for us it's 21 past it- you up at the crack of dawn on christmas morning Make that experience more bearable by treating yourself to some Mystic Monk coffee. They have a number of Christmas blends available, and when you go to Mystic Monk Coffee through the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. Make Christmas morning even better by drinking your coffee with a Sunrise Morning Show mug, available in our online store. Browse our mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. 
to the most precious blood of Jesus Christ. Almighty and eternal Father, the magnitude of your love for us is reflected fully in the gift of your only begotten Son to humanity. He is not only equal to you, but one with you. We are indebted to you, and it stares us in the face. Obviously, we cannot pay you commensurately, but we are asking for your grace while demonstrating our willingness to love you in this adoration. We appreciate your benevolence and solicit your continued loving kindness in helping us to put forth a more satisfying gesture of love and gratefulness through a change of our lives for the better. May the holy Archangel Michael and your hosts of angels and saints join us and lead us closer to you through this adoration. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. Joseph Pierce back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He's visiting professor of literature at Ave Maria University and a visiting fellow of Thomas More College of the Liberal Arts. He's with the Augustine Institute and the St. Austin Review. Join us inner sanctum at jpierce.co. We've been going through his book, Faith of Our Fathers, A History of True England. Joseph, welcome back. It's good to be back, Anna. So uh, we talked last time about the sad end to the life and and reign of Queen Mary, who had tried to restore the true faith in England after her father had broken away from, from the Catholic Church and declared himself the supreme head of, of the Church of England. She died on November 17th. 1558, Cardinal Reginald Pohl died that same day. Now, we all know that Queen Elizabeth I would would go on to succeed her, but that whole succession question was rather complicated, wasn't it? Tell us why. Yes, yeah, very convoluted and complicated. I think in my book I quote the uh, the the, uh, the lines um, uh, from um, who was it said it now William Cobbett. Uh, no. Uh, oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. And I think that's what Walter Scott. But what happened, of course, is that, that Henry VIII's divorce from uh, his first wife, Catherine of Aragon, was invalid. Um, the divorce was invalid. Therefore, the marriage to Anne Boleyn was also invalid. Um, Mary was the daughter of uh, Henry and uh, Catherine of Aragon, so there's no question of her legitimacy. But um, there's a very big question about the legitimacy of, of Elizabeth, because if she was married, say she was born uh, out of wedlock, but basically if Anne Boleyn and Henry were not legally married, and that was certainly the position of, uh, well, it's the position of the fact of the matter, because the divorce was not valid. Even even Henry basically declared um, Elizabeth illegitimate at one point. The whole thing is is such a crazy mess. So the point is, if she's born out of wedlock, if she if she's illegitimate, she's not. She can't be a legitimate monarch. That's the way it works. The sanctity of marriage is at the heart of the uh, of, of the uh, the understanding of of, of monarchies being. Um, uh, under God. So um, that meant that the, the new Queen of England, in many people's eyes, was not the true Queen of England at all, and that the true Queen of England was actually Mary Stuart, Mary Queen of Scots, who was the nearest living ancestor to Henry VII, Henry VIII's father. All very complicated. All very complicated. What did the Pope have to say about all this at the time? 
the Pope basically took the the only logical and theological position that um, that Elizabeth was not born uh, of, of a legitimate marriage and therefore was not a legitimate monarch. And of course, for someone like Elizabeth, who's very much an opportunist and a pragmatist and really puts herself before any any faith or theological position, that really turned her against uh, the papacy and sort of, if you like, turned her towards the Protestants uh, in a purely pragmatic Machiavellian sense. But mm. for me, you know, we, we have to st- stand up for, for truth and principle first, irrespective of the consequences. So I'm completely with the Pope uh, in, in, in making that judgment call, which is a judgment call based upon objective verity. Is there anyone who, like, in terms of history, that from a Catholic perspective that would question the Pope's uh, take on this? No, many many um, of the Catholic martyrs, the priests that were martyred during the reign of Elizabeth the First, they, they they try to catch them out by saying, you know, do you are you are you loyal to the Queen's Majesty? In other mm-hmm. words, do you do you accept and acknowledge Queen Elizabeth the First? And some of them basically because they didn't want to be seen to be being martyred for so-called treason, would basically say that they're not arguing about the Queen's legitimacy. They are being they've been put to death because of their Catholic faith, which was, in fact, yeah. Yeah. The, the case. But the point is that on a purely, again, a Machiavellian methods of, of Elizabeth's government and her ministers, they tried to turn it into, it, the whole thing into politics. I do find this interesting. It was something that I had never really thought about before, Joseph, and that being uh, what religious practices Elizabeth kept during the reign of her half-sister, Mary. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so, you know, see, she, she basically went back and forth depending upon who was in power. So during the reign of her half-brother, Elizabeth, uh, uh, um, Edward VI, um, who was the, the person who succeeded from Henry, being the only male heir from another of Henry's marriages, that he was a, he was a, a, a very staunch Protestant. So Elizabeth was a Protestant during the reign of Edward VI, was a practicing Catholic with her own you know, confessor and Catholic chaplain. She attended Mass. And to all intents and purposes, outwardly at least, was a believing, devout Catholic during the reign of her half-sister Mary, when England was once more a Catholic country. And then once she becomes a queen, almost immediately she's persecuting um, Catholic bishops who refuse to uh, um, comply with Protestant um, teaching, uh, or uh, etc. So I think her true colors come out then, perhaps, although she was no friend of the hardline Protestants, the Puritans, mm-hmm. uh, whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, I, I call her in the book, I think, sort of a, a some sort of cafeteria Catholic. I think her her aesthetic sensibilities were Catholic, but not if it was going to actually cause problems with her political ambition. Pragmatic if you will. Pragmatic. I mean, obviously, we can't judge the state of anyone's soul, but we can judge their actions. And clearly, she didn't have um, very deep devotion enough to hold to one or the other, depending on what uh, what would have been the uh, the the religion that was upheld at the moment in each moment of of her life. It's very, very interesting. I had never really realized or never really thought about the fact that she would have been a practicing Catholic during the reign of Mary I. We're going to have to leave it there because we're out of time. The book is called Faith of Our Fathers, A History of True England. And you can find Joseph's website, jpierce.co, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Joseph, thank you. 
My pleasure always, Anna. God bless you. You too, Joseph. Thank you very much. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. President Biden is hosting Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky at the White House today. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby told reporters the meeting comes at a time when Russian forces are ramping up attacks on civilian infrastructure in Ukraine. Zelensky's visit comes at what's being described as a critical moment in negotiations for aid to Ukraine. The Biden administration wants Congress to pass its more than $100 billion package for Ukraine, Israel, and other national security priorities. Zelensky will also be meeting with lawmakers on Capitol Hill. Meanwhile, a new poll shows nearly half of voters believe the U.S. is spending too much on aid for Ukraine in its war with Russia. Mark Mayfield reports. The Financial Times Michigan Ross poll found that 48 percent of voters said the U.S. is sending too much financial and military support to Kyiv. Meanwhile, 27 percent said the U.S. was spending the right amount and 11 percent said the spending was not enough. This comes as lawmakers are divided over an aid package requested by President Biden that includes funding for both Ukraine and Israel. Republicans are demanding U.S. border policy reforms in exchange for more Ukraine aid. I'm Mark Mayfield. The Texas mother at the center of a lawsuit over the state's heartbeat law has left Texas to get an abortion in another state. That, according to the Center for Reproductive Rights, Kate Cox had brought a suit saying that her unborn baby was diagnosed with a fatal condition, but her doctors refused to treat her, saying they feared prosecution. Last week, a court ruled in Cox's favor to allow her to obtain an abortion, but that was immediately paused by the state Supreme Court. Pro-life pregnancy centers in Illinois are celebrating after the state attorney general agreed to stop enforcing what they've described as a blatantly discriminatory law against them. A federal judge in August granted a motion for a preliminary injunction seeking to immediately halt halt the law, which targeted pro-life pregnancy centers, allowing the Illinois Attorney General's office to investigate complaints against pregnancy centers accused of using misinformation, deceptive practices, or misrepresentation in order to persuade a woman to choose life over abortion. The injunction was requested in a lawsuit by the National Institute of Family Life Advocates, or NIFLA, Under the proposed agreement, the office would be banned from enforcing this law. NIFLA President Thomas Glessner released a statement saying the law had been an absolute weaponization of government that unfairly and unconstitutionally targeted pro-life pregnancy centers simply because they refused to refer for or perform abortions. He said, let this be a stern example of what awaits them when attempting to pass and enforce similar laws. Christians in the Holy Land are planning a low-key Christmas as a gesture of solidarity with Palestinians. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. The office of the Auditor General, which the Pope himself established nine years That is not the right story. Here we go. Christmas will be different this year in the Kingdom of Jordan. No lights will shine as Christians celebrate the coming of the Lord. The usually cheerful festivities will be muted at the request of Christian leaders in the country in a gesture of solidarity with the suffering Palestinian people just across the border. Pope Francis has repeatedly called for a ceasefire in Gaza, where more than 18,000 people have died since Israel began military operations on the 8th of October. 
The decision to cancel festivities, including bazaars, musical celebrations and the distribution of gifts, came from the Jordanian Council of Churches, which asked that its communities restrict their Christmas celebrations to prayer and religious ceremonies, as well as on donating to funds in support of children in Gaza. Over 10,000 children have died so far in the Strip. Moreover, almost two million people have been displaced, with nowhere to go, and with neither food nor water. Observers are describing the situation as desperate, a humanitarian catastrophe. Bethlehem, too, will be dim over the Christmas period. There will be no Christmas tree at the traditional site of Jesus' birth. We will celebrate in sobriety, said Father Francisco Paton of the custody of the Holy Land. No celebrations this year, as the world weeps for the victims of violence. I'm Francesca Merlo. That's the news. You're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on EWTN Radio. It's 35 minutes past. The Sunrise Got a coffee lover on your Christmas list this year? Give them the gift of Mystic Monk Coffee. The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of seasonal blends that would make for a great Christmas morning brew. And when you purchase it, after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you support the monks and the show. If your coffee lover is also a fan of the Sunrise Morning Show, pick up a mug or travel mug for them in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. This is Father Rob Jack with the Heart of St. Paul. Where do we get our strength? If you had asked Popeye the sailor, he would say you get it by eating spinach. If you asked an Olympic athlete, he or she would say they ate their Wheaties. But if you ask St. Paul, he says his strength comes from Jesus Christ. In the second letter to the Corinthians, Paul writes, The Lord said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I will all the more gladly boast of my weakness, that the power of Christ may rest on me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses and insults, hardships and persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul presents his limitations as opportunities for God to do great things for him. Paul gives us all an important lesson on life. Material or financial success are passing realities. What one needs to focus on is his spiritual strength. If we are spiritually strong, there is nothing that will ultimately destroy us. Spiritual strength requires humility. We have to know our weaknesses and our sins. It's only then that we can realize that we can only thrive with God. For all of our successes, give God the glory and give God the praise. He desires that we accomplish great things, but we can do it only with his grace. And we hear this from the heart of St. Paul. Well, the Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Steve Ray from CatholicConvert.com. Well, today we get to talk about betrothal and marriage in the Bible. Steve, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Good to be with you today. I'm calling in from Texas. So. All right. Well, there you go. Not a bad place to be on the Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. That's right. Uh, so we get to talk about betrothal in the Bible. Uh, how many times do we see betrothal and marriage and all those other kind of words that are connected with it uh, in the Scriptures? 
Well, betrothal is mentioned 20 times in the Bible, and most importantly, uh, importantly, of course, is in relationship to Mary being betrothed to Joseph. So that's 20 times. But the, uh, the word marriage or wedding or become one or take a wife, all these phrases that refer to the actual marriage 171 times in the Bible. So you've got that. This is something that's very important in Scripture. It's something that we are to take seriously. Starts all the way back in Genesis with Adam and Eve, and it goes all the way to Revelation with the betrothal marriage of Jesus to his church. So this is a concept that's very important to understand scripturally because it flows all through the Scriptures. Well, how do we understand then in the 21st century what was meant by betrothal when all we know around here is engagement? Well, in America, we have, uh, it's very liberal now, and people kind of don't even get married anymore. There's a great movement of just not getting married. And so the whole idea of uh, a betrothal or engagement in marriage is starting in many ways to slip away from our mind. And so to understand the scriptural view and what it was like during the uh, time of the early church and Jesus, you have to to go back and immerse yourself in that culture. You kind of, in a sense, got to go back and live there to get the feeling of what it was like there and understand it. There's a word called anachronism. I like this word. And it means taking what we know and imposing it on the earlier times or in other places. So we start thinking of the Bible and Mary and Joseph and other people in the terms that we know as Americans. We think of them as getting just engaged and married the way we know. But it was really quite different in biblical times. It was certainly different in biblical times. Otherwise, why in the world would, if Joseph and Mary are betrothed, and Joseph finds out that she's pregnant, would he decide to divorce her? Like, how would you divorce somebody if you're only betrothed? I know. In, in, in the United States, you you take a girl out to McDonald's, and you, you give her a ring, and you say, will you marry me? She says, yes. You go home, and you tell her parents, guess what? We're getting married. You know, I'm, I'm being a little facetious there, but it is something very casual here, an engagement. It's not binding at all. It's You can the next day say, oh, you know, we made a mistake. We just won't do that. But in biblical times, an, an engagement, uh, what we call an engagement, is much more serious. That's why it's called a betrothal. And it's where you actually have it's a contract. And it's, for example, I've been to betrothal in, in Nazareth. We have friends that were getting, their daughter was getting betrothed. And so we went to that. And it's not the wedding, but you would think it's a wedding compared to what we know in America. Because you go in and there's a huge dinner with 500 people. And the priest is there. And it's a ceremony. And everybody is dressed. And it becomes a, it's a binding legal uh, relationship at that point. They make a decision. It's among the family. There's no going back. Once you have a betrothal, you're not. You can't go back. And marriage there. In, in even when you read in Acts chapter and uh, uh, John chapter two, and you read the parables in Jesus's uh, in the Gospels, you see that the betrothal is something very serious. And marriage is actually in two parts. There's always a debate, was, were Mary and Joseph married? It says they're betrothed. There's a confusion there sometimes. But it's the, when the betrothal comes, you are actually legally married, but you don't live together yet. And then later, after that, usually a year later, then there's another ceremony and another big get-together. And this one, in, in for example, in Nazareth, takes seven days. The whole wedding ceremony, the second part of it takes seven days, and they have a feast, and they have the whole, a ceremony. So it's all 
done in two parts. So the question that you asked about Joseph and Mary is that they had already become legally bound. They weren't living together yet, but they were betrothed. And he finds that she discovers she's already pregnant. He knows it's not from him. So then he was going to set her aside or go to the great effort to um, set aside that marriage, that they contract that they'd already had. Interesting. Very interesting. You know, it is also kind of a reminder, and it helps the images come alive that St. Paul uses, for example, of uh, the Church as the Bride of Christ, and what this all means uh, in the mystical realm, and what it means to be the Church. Yes, and he said, I have betrothed you. The, the men were going out and doing illicit sexual things in Corinth, because that was a very uh, debauched city at the time. And he says, I have betrothed you to Christ, so you can't go out and do those things anymore. So with the harlots and so on, I betrothed you to Christ. Which And the, the consummation of that wedding is going to be in the book of Revelation when we're there with Christ, but we're betrothed to him. We're legally bound and, in a sense, legally married to him, but not yet has he come to get us, right? Because, see, in, the, in biblical times, and we know from the the um, parable of the the virgins that have the oil lamps. Some had oil and some didn't. And he said, the bridegroom comes. They start to yell, the bridegroom is here, the bridegroom. The, and the kingdom of God will be like these virgins who went out to meet the bridegroom. At midnight, there's a cry, here comes the bridegroom. And he came, and they were ready and went into the marriage feast, and the door was shut. This is very much like the, the biblical times. The betrothal was there. They knew that they were married and that at a certain point the bridegroom was going to come and get his bride and take her to his house, and then the marriage is completed. This is exactly what happened in Nazareth. We went to a wedding, my wife and I. It was seven days, big feasting and everything. And then on the last day, we were at the bride's house, and the groom came with all of his family. And they came there, and they talked, and the women and men were separate, just like at Mary and uh, John chapter 2. The women and men would have been separate at the marriage in Cana. And then finally, the father of the groom stood up at this wedding at this family's house, and they said, we're here to take your bride to be my my son's uh, wife, and they agreed, and then he took the bride, and they got in the car, they went to the mass, celebrated, and they went off on their honeymoon, just like they did in biblical times. They were already betrothed. Everybody knew. And by the way, you're not allowed to be with the other one until you're betrothed in public. Once you're betrothed in public, now everybody knows it's a wedding, and you can be together. It's much more um, careful over there than it is here in the United States. I should think so, Uh, and the United States, half the wedding invites I get are from people who've been living together for a couple of years, right? So it's, a, it's so, I, and, you know, I mean, this is just a, a reminder uh, of how we shouldn't map our own kind of ideals and experiences of, of how marriage works back onto Mary and Joseph. And when you understand, like, all the things that you just said, well, then the idea of uh, Joseph and Mary having a chaste relationship makes a lot more sense because they took all these things, including Mary's pregnancy by the power of the Holy Spirit, very seriously as well. So all of this makes a whole lot more sense if you understand how marriage was treated in the the world that Jesus was born into. 
Exactly. That's why when, when we want to understand the scriptures and we want to understand the Christian life, we have to think of it in terms of what it was like at that time. And that's why even uh, studying the Bible and the context or going there and getting to know the land and the people that are still there is so important because it helps us then immerse ourselves in what it was like. And then when we hear the words like in Ephesians chapter 5, where Paul is talking about the husband loving the wife and the wife honoring her husband and the relationship, he says, oh, and by the way, I'm not really, the important thing is here is not talking about the marriage, but talking about the church and Jesus Christ. If we want to understand the church and our relationship to Christ, we have to understand what it was like back then, because those are the ideas and the words that Jesus and Paul are using. Well, thank you so much, Steve Ray, for shedding a little light on this and helping us better understand, you know, what was going on with Mary and Joseph and their heads and their hearts and their history as they marched toward Bethlehem for the birth of Christ. Um, Great topic uh, for Advent. Have a wonderful day. We've got CatholicConvert.com linked at SunriseMorningShow.com. Steve Ray, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Matt. All right. Chris McGregor joins us next on this Feast of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Stay with us. It's 14 till. Support is for MediShare. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. For many families, switching to MediShare saves about $500 a month, which is a game changer for a lot of people. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the member satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. MediShare is a proven thing, too, for over 30 years. It's a Christian community of more than 400,000 members. And here's the thing. If you join before December 15th and you mention the promo code SHARE, you'll get another 10% off all of 2024. That's 12 months of savings. So I'll give you the number here in a second. But call. You'll get a price within two minutes. And again, the deadline's December 15th. So call now. You'll save even more. Here's the number. 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. Are you expecting the kids to wake you up at the crack of dawn on Christmas morning? Make that experience more bearable by treating yourself to some Mystic Monk coffee. They have a number of Christmas blends available, and when you go to Mystic Monk Coffee through the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. Make Christmas morning even better by drinking your coffee with a Sunrise Morning Show mug, available in our online store. Browse our mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Are you a new listener to EWTN Radio? Welcome. We're here for you 24-7. You'll hear live and interactive shows throughout the day to answer any questions you may have about the Catholic faith. There's trustworthy news from a Catholic perspective. And a large selection of podcasts available at EWTN's Podcast Central. And, of course, the daily mass, prayers, and everything you need to edify your soul. Welcome to EWTN Radio. We're blessed to have you with us. I'm spiritual, but do I have to be religious? Join me, Dr. David Andrews, as we answer your questions on Call to Communion today at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 12 till. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Chris McGregor from DiscerningHearts.com. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Anna. How are you today? I am doing fine. I love Our Lady of Guadalupe, and I know that you love our 
Our Lady of Guadalupe. Why do you love her so much? Oh, my gosh. There's. Do we have about three or four more hours? I know, right? <laughs> the thing so about much. Our Lady of Guadalupe is that she's not an event. Yes, something happened on this day long ago in 1531, but she's an actual uh, presence in our lives. I, you know, I pray with her. I experience her. I, I feel her intercession because she, as she said to little Juanito all long ago, that 57-year-old man, her little Juanito, yes. do you not know that I am your mother? Mm. And she says that to all of us, doesn't she, Anna? She does. She does. I love Our Lady of Guadalupe so much. This story is is so, I mean, I hate to use a word like this for such an incredible apparition, but so sweet. And this is the topic of our selection from the Office of Readings this week, which recounts the story of Our Lady, of Our Blessed Mother, appearing to the little Juanito. Can you, can you tell us the story of Our Lady of Guadalupe? Oh, yes. It's, and this is what's so wonderful about the Office of Readings, and you all have access to it. You can find it online if necessary or inside your, your breveries. You know, the, the thing is, this is taken from the traditional narrative, the Nakanmopohoa, mm. which is from that period, from the 16th century, right? And written it all down, the account. So we, it's the closest thing that do we have to an authentic um, a relating of the experience, right? Yeah. And what happens is uh, Juan Diego, again, he's 57. Now, I have to go down a rabbit hole real quick sure. because Anna, I mean, how often do we hear about apparitions of Our Lady? And they're always to, to children, right? Yeah. And we love that. And she's so tender with them and they become such great vehicles of grace for all of us. And yet, you know, we might think, okay, that was nice for kids. But here's an apparition that happens to a 57-year-old widow. Wow. who is being faithful, goes to Mass. He's trucking, you know, early in the morning to get to, to religious service to do holy work, as it says. And she appears to him. And she sees him not as, you know, a 57-year-old man, because she's a young woman. She's beautiful. She's just so incredibly beautiful. and she, But she's a young Indian girl with who is pregnant because mm-hmm. she has a sash around her her. Uh, Mm -hmm. around her waist but she looks at little one and she says do you not know that i'm your mother you're my little one you're all my children i'm of course i'm paraphrasing i hope people go and listen to this and she entrusts him with a very important task and she talks to me i'm you know i'm up there in age (laughs) but it's possible that she has this type of gaze upon all of us it doesn't matter how old you are yeah. For her, we're still her little ones. What a lesson for us, actually. I'm so glad that you brought that up. You know, we think of of the other famous, um, you know, big devotions that we have to Our Lady, like at Lourdes and Fatima, um, appearing to children. And, and here we have Juan Diego, almost 60 years old, but someone who was so pure of heart, someone who was childlike, um, in in his heart, and and I think that a lesson for us all that that age is not the issue here. It's mm-hmm. it's what's in the heart. Amen to that. That is that is so well said, because I mean here he is. He's he's going on his task, and yet he pauses because he hears. I think this is such a nice little note. 
he hears singing. Yeah. And it singing, he thinks, and he goes up the hill to Tipiak and it uh and he and he's what does he encounter but this this vision of this girl who is her clothes shone like the sun. And she says to him, no, beloved son, then I am the immaculate ever Virgin Mary, mother of the true God, who is the origin of all life, who creates all things and keeps them in being. It is the Lord of heaven and earth. And, you know, here's the statement, 1531, I am the immaculate ever Virgin yeah. Mary, mother of the true God. See, that that. The Holy Spirit is already affirming, which would become dogma and understanding of the church. So this it goes this wonderful thread of the Holy Spirit. The truths that we understand just weren't manifested, you know, two thousand years after the occurrence of the Blessed Virgin, but has been something that the Holy Spirit has been communicating all this time. And what I love in what she has to say here. So she says, I greatly wish, I earnestly desire that my house should be built in this very place. I will show him to you there and praise him as I show him my love and compassion, my help and defense. For in truth, I am your compassionate mother, yours and all who live together in this land and of any others who love me, seek me and call on me with confidence and devotion in that house. I will listen to their weeping and their sadness. I will give them help in their troubles and a cure for their misfortunes. And and it is this apparition that brings about millions of conversions. Millions of people still go to visit Our Lady of Guadalupe. Uh, all this week, there are thousands of people flocking to this shrine that, that was built in her honor, seeking that consolation that her son brings through her. Oh, you know, and that's such a beautiful thought, isn't it? I yeah. mean, when she came, there were no borders. Yeah. I mean, there weren't lines. She was saying for all in this land. For her, it was all of this whole area, this whole, this wonderful hemisphere. She comes and says, come to me. Am I your compassionate mother? She says, in truth, I am. You know, and I don't know about you, but in my office, in, in so many different places in our home, I have images of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Yep. And when I turn to her and I go, oh, help me, mother, I've got this problem or I'm so happy. I'm so glad you're here. I thank you. Blessed mother. You know, and I look at Our Lady of Guadalupe because, it's, you know, she, she's our mother. She said so. And that and so many flock to that. Look at how compassionate, how loving and what an action of God, because we know that God is love and her words are words of love. Absolutely. Our Lady of Guadalupe said to him, am I not holding you in my lap, wrapped in my arms? What else can you possibly need? Do not be upset or distressed. Such beautiful words, such comforting words for us, even now nearly 500 years later, as we look to the comfort and the consolation of our Blessed Mother under the title of Our Lady of Guadalupe. We've been talking about it with Chris McGregor, and there's so much more that we did not get to in this story in the Office of Readings. So really want to encourage you to go check out the Office of Readings today. This story is just so incredible. Chris, thank you for sharing it with us. Yeah, Our Lady of Guadalupe. Pray for, Pray us. for us. And we've got discerninghearts.com linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Have a blessed feast day, everyone. We'll talk to you again tomorrow on the Feast of St. Lucy. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.